Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this month on the programme, it's Australian Film Month. So what better to do than to review a film from our dear neighbours, New Zealand. And if it's any good, claim it as one of our own. And if it's rubbish, give it back. It's a grand Australian tradition for those living outside uh, of this part of the world. Uh, This year, the New Zealand film that we have chosen is not directed by Taika Waititi. Um, So a break from tradition. We've... I think we've actually run out of his uh, mostly New Zealand-based films now. Um, No, we are watching 1983's Utu. And uh, for those of you listening at home who haven't heard of this film, uh, neither had I. Uh, And I'm looking forward to finding out what it's about. Joining me to watch Utu, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it is Dr. Ellen Sears. Hi, Stephen. How are you, Dr. Ellen? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, Utu. Yeah. What do you know about it? I know that it's from New Zealand. That's a good start. That's and about it. That's it? Yep. <laughs> that's so, about it. I have, I have no clue. Excellent. Yep. Not even going to care to guess. Just No, no. I mean, I mean, I mean. Well, I... this podcast is off with a wang and a bear. <laughs> no, I, look, I know very little about it. What little I do know about it is the few like little tidbits that you have mentioned while you were gathering like trivia and mm. information about the film. Yes. So... In yep. terms, in terms of uh, New Zealand films, do, do you have a favourite film from New Zealand? Never really thought about it, to be honest. I mean, I've liked a few of the ones that you've done on the podcast, but like, it's not like I've. I, there's probably New Zealand films that I've seen and not known that they're New Zealand. Well, Footrock Flats has a New Zealand national anthem in it. So. I mean, yes, it does. Stephen recently found out about that. Mm. And well, Stephen recently found out about that. Well, also because um, you and I were in New Zealand we uh, back in December. We so uh, this is the first time I'll be watching uh, a film. I, I, sorry, I should explain. I say mm. I say New Zealand's national anthem. I'm, of course, referring to Dave Dobbin's Slice of Heaven. Yes, of course. Uh, but yes, um, we, we were over there. I, I went to, I saw the boiling mud yes, in uh, Rotorua. Yes, saw the boiling mud. Yes, so uh, mm. it was fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say any of the Lord of the Rings films. I mean, yeah. You could technically count them, I guess. Technically, if that's technically, if, 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 if that's the case, then then uh, Return of the King probably. All right. So, um, well, luckily, joining us as our guest who has seen this film and knows what Utu is about, it is uh, New Zealand's own Murray Jackson. Well, t- technically, technically a Kiwi. Technically a Kiwi. Yes. How are you, Stephen? Uh, I am. I'm, I'm good. That's uh, good. You're, yeah. you're in the mood for a little revenge? I certainly am, uh, which is uh, good because uh, Utu, I understand it, is very much in the revenge film tradition. Well, oddly enough, Utu actually means revenge in Maori. Uh-huh. Ah, there we go. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. In a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, Murray, what is Utu about except for revenge? Well, basically, it's about revenge, Stephen. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> It's, it it, it's set during a, a period called the Maori Land Wars, um, where um, yeah, Maoris basically took a bit of a stance against um, colonialism. Got on them, and uh, yeah, um, showed what uh, darn good um, fighters they were, I suppose. Um, obviously, with the keen eye that the uh, the Kiwis had to one day making them all blacks. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, that seems to have worked out quite well because uh, the there's nothing team. more fearsome on a on a field than a than a Maori coming at you, yeah. flat chat with a ball in hand. Yeah. Um, I don't remember a lot about this film, to be honest, Stephen, because it is 40 years since I've seen it. So you saw it when it came out. 
I yeah. Um, this film sort of came and it sort of went, and it, it it I don't think it really hung around in in consciousness um, too much. It, it was it was a grand um, splash, and then it, it sort of disappeared into the annals of of New Zealand film history, as it were. Um, I can't recall exactly why. I, I know there was a lot of controversy around the film at the time. I don't think New Zealand as a country had sort of reconciled um, its treatment of the Maoris, um, and that might have been part of it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those films that I'm pretty sure I saw with uh, a school excursion. So it's one of those things I think I was made to go and see. Mm. I could be wrong. Memory might be cheating me in that regard, but it would be unusual for me as a 15-year-old to go, ah, I'll go and watch Utu as opposed to, why don't I go and see um, freaking Blade Runner or, or E.T., you know? Um, yeah, more E.T. than Utu. Actually, 1983, sorry, it would have been a battle between the two Bond films coming out at that time. Uh, um, yes. which, which Bonds were they? Uh, the uh, Never Say Never Again okay, and Octopussy. Ah, but they, I didn't know they were the same year. Yes, oh. yeah. Well, very good. Yeah. I'm, but, interested, I'm interested to see how, like, if this was your, like, school excursion film. My school excursion film at the same age was Downfall. Um. Oh, the the, uh, <laughs> the Last Days of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that, which that, was a great film. Both, but, films, like, both films are laugh a minute. Yep. Um, Fabulous. Both about revenge. Mm. I think we can yeah. say that pretty confidently. Yeah, there's nothing quite like being on a school excursion, going to see a cool history film and in the middle of eating a chicken sandwich and they start chopping somebody's leg off on screen. That was just, that was a formative moment in my education. I was like, I need to stop hitting this. <laughs> but this film has, um, look, it, it's got a really powerful performance by a non-actor because Anzac Sometimes Wallace, who, the who's the, the lead role, mm. um, to my knowledge, had not acted in anything previously. Uh, it was just picked from obscurity and like, hey, can you play this? Yeah, no worries, man. Um, but it also has um, appearances by a lot of New Zealand um, cult actors. I, I suppose people who Kiwis would say, ah, yes, him. Mm. He's always in, 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 in stuff. So all that guy. Bruno yeah. Lawrence. Bruno Lawrence always appears in New Zealand films. Bruno Lawrence is basically in everything. He's kind of like the Kiwi version of Jack Thompson. The right. guy just keeps <laughs> popping up. Mm. So Bruno Lawrence, um, who... You know, if you ever get the chance to see a film called Smash Palace, he's just incandescent in that. Another guy called Martin Sanderson, who always seems to appear and stuff. Um, uh, Crikey, Kelly Johnson, who always appears in uh, Jeff Murphy films, and this film is directed by Jeff Murphy. Um, so, yeah, lots of little things there for Kiwis to, to sort of look and go, ah, him, yes, yeah, it's good to see him. Um and uh, New Zealand's Ilona Rogers, who's um, not a name that most Australians will know, but uh, for anyone out there who's into Doctor Who, she was in uh, a William Hartnell uh, serial mm. called The Sensorite. So there we are. There's something for you Doctor Who fans if you're watching. Excellent. Oh, they, they almost certainly will be, uh, is, is my hope. Uh, so with all that being said, shall we watch Utu? Sure. Why not? Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to ask, what's the time, Mr. Wolf? As we watch Utu.
Welcome back everybody. We have just finished watching Utu. And by we, I of course mean Mary Jackson. Hello. And Dr. Ellen Sears. Hello. Uh, Dr. Ellen, that was your first time watching Utu. Yeah. What did you think? It's really interesting. I'm not sure what I was expecting and I'm... Yeah. I don't know a lot about um, this period of history in New Zealand. Um, most of my history of like colonial antipodean stuff of course is here because that's what i learned in school so fair enough that um an australian school might well teach australian history over uh, new zealand i mean arguably they they mostly just teach colonial history that's that's the point um so yeah it was really interesting to get to um look at it from a historical sense that was yeah Mm. i don't know i'm still processing it i think was it enjoyable i'm not sure yeah, because there's some really there's hmm. some really interesting moments of cinematography where I was like, I like what they're doing here. There were some really interesting things. It was a bit confusing at times. I was like, what is happening? Who's this person? What was their name again? I can't remember. Hmm. But it's just one of those kind of films where they don't really hold your hand. It's just like this is happening. You just got to keep up with it, hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, I got, yeah. I got a little bit lost at times, and then went, oh no, okay, now I know where I am. Uh, Murray, hmm. uh, this was your first time watching it. In forty years since mm. since it came out, um, how, how was it revisiting Utu? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm struggling to think whether or not this is in any way, shape, or form the same cut as what I w- would have watched forty years ago. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I do know that they messed around with this film a lot when it went to international release, mm. and yeah. It, the cutting, the, the editing in this is is it seems a bit all over the shop to be honest. Yeah, some bits are like really um, good. Other bits are like Whoop. yeah, it's just like they're, they're, they're following a certain storyline and we leave that and we start another one and then they come back to that and mm. um, yeah, it feels like this could have been a lot tighter than mm. than than what we saw up there on the screen and that once again now I'm itching maybe to to really. Uh, Hunt down that copy of Utu Redux that the, the director put together what he considered to be his version mm. of the film, mm. intended version of the film in 2013. Um, I'm kind of wanting to grab hold of that because the print we saw just then was not a, a quality print at all. Um, it was in letterbox, um, not letterbox, sorry, 4x3. So, mm. um, yeah, your standard screen and um, the colour was washed out and yeah, there were several things going against us with regards to this viewing. What I will say was good about it mm-hmm. um, and falls in line of my very vague memories is the beginning which is just um, you know, go, go, go. Yeah, um, it throws you straight in um, yeah. in terms of, th- this is the story of, um, and, and you'll have to forgive me for any pronunciations that I get wrong. I'm not overly familiar with Maori culture or pronunciations, but Te Wake? Uh, te Feke. Te Feke, sorry. Uh, yeah, see, I'm going off a of phonetic reading with my with my silly colonial reading. Um, so it's Te Feke. Te Feke. Yeah. Um, well, Te Feke is, serv- is serving in the British Army, uh, one of many uh, Maori soldiers who is... Well, it's more like the colonial police. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm. the British Army slash uh, colonial cops. Um, and he, within the first five minutes of the film finds his uh, village has been burnt to the ground and all of his family members murdered by 
the by the colonizers they've gone through they've burnt the place down and he immediately attacks the british people he's with he kills one of them sends the other one off to warn the colonel that he's Mm -hmm. coming for him and i was like okay i knew this was a revenge film but my goodness do we start with the oh inciting incident bang revenge the whole way there was Mm. there was no slow descent there was no umming and ahhing he's right into it and he's there right the way till the end yeah and then um of course the introduction of bruno lawrence's character as um uh, is it Williamson? Um, yeah, John Williamson. Yeah, and his his, his lovely wife, Elena Rogers. Um, and of course, yeah, that that cooked doesn't, along. Yeah, that, that, that cooked doesn't along go too. Well. Um, and of course, yeah, now Bruno has uh, got the um, hots for finding Tefeki and finishing him. So, mm. um, yeah, the plot thickens. I did like the weaving of Macbeth into this as well. Yeah. That was a nice touch. Was, I was enjoying that. It was lovely that when he, um, basically, the story is after Tefeke decides, right, all these white colonizers can die, he rounds up. Fair. Uh, yeah, and you know what? <laughs> you know what, yeah. Based on the first two minutes of the film, completely fair. Um, he, he goes and uh, gets a few fellow uh, dissatisfied people to form like a little rebel bandit group. They attack the Williamson house. Mm, militia, for one of a better word. That's yeah. the word I was looking for, militia. Um, yeah, they, they attack the Williamson house. Um, and while they're in there, he, it, it's established that Tefeke can read because he is reading a, a copy of Macbeth. And he's mm. just sat there mm. while the rest of his uh, militia are going around, like destroying pianos and, and shooting, shooting at paintings. crockery yeah. and stuff. Yeah. He's there reading Macbeth and just like nodding and going, and going, oh, it's pretty good, pretty good story. And then it's quoted throughout the rest of the film and and like you know the 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 the, um sort of tying in with the burnham wood Mm. uh, yeah 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 yeah. with with the soldiers using the bushes to hide themselves as they approach the the town where the colonel is staying yeah um and just just lots of quoting of of bits of Macbeth, and it was like you know this this really works it really Mm. really is tied in quite well well well, to think he is in the end a tragic figure isn't he He is, Mm. because um He's set himself an impossible task yeah. of ridding the country of, of the white man mm. um, and specifically the the colonel. Mm. And uh, in the end, he, he doesn't even get to fulfill that because um, the colonel is basically, um, what do they call it? Um, Betrayed? Murdered? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fragged. Fragged by yeah. his own men. Yeah, yeah. A bit of friendly fire. A bit of not so friendly, friendly fire mm. in the final battle, yeah. So yeah, he's, he's, he's a, even he's robbed. He's even robbed of that, to yeah, be he's, honest. He's a, um, he's a classic Shakespearean. So he's, he's he is he's a, he's tragic a tragic figure. Figure, yeah. yeah. The flaw with the film is more the second and third acts, isn't that they slow the film down? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, there's there is a bit of, um, and we get caught up in in young, um, what's his name, West's um, little Mr. side Scott. story there. Oh, which, uh, yeah, Le- Lieutenant Scott. Scott, sorry, yeah. Scott. Scott. Uh, Le- Lieutenant Scott. Oh, mate, who gets little, nicked yeah. on the shoulder and then shot right through the shoulder. And then shot in the side. Like, he's... He's having a bad time. He really is having a bad time. Which I time. think, unfortunately, slowed the film down. It did. I mean, you know, you get shot in the shoulder, that will slow you down. Mm. And the, the, there were quite a lot of story elements because you had um, Lieutenant Scott and his relationship with uh, Caru, who, as far as I could tell, their first meeting was her stealing his gun. Yes, and they somehow formed a connection. Yeah, well, she that. she first of all has the hots for Henare, his um, 
his right hand man, mm. his Batman, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, and uh, when he passes on, um, that yeah, that she she's a tragic figure too. Yeah. Of course, we find yeah. out at the end there that she has been um, to death. yeah bludgeoned to death by Tufeki, who has seen her as a traitor. Mm. And I don't think that the film in this this cut this edit does a very good job of communicating. That. No, it doesn't. Which is why, once again, you know, you really have to wonder what the director's cut. Mm actually shows and whether or not it, it, it produces it's frustrating because i can see all the elements for really good film here mm. yeah and I, I have no problems overall with the film itself i think mm. the film is is a good film mm. i i'm wondering whether or not there's the kernel of something potentially really really good if not great in that film mm. that is lost in the editing yeah and it it, it does feel as though they they had all of these really good story elements yeah. that they just couldn't quite make knit together. Because the, the the story of John Williamson, who was essentially turned into an, an Utu revenge figure mm. by Tekefe, who is, mm. sorry, Tefeke, who we've already seen turned into that figure at the start of the film. So there's this really interesting thing about the cyclical nature of revenge. And violence and um, revenge and violence just beget more re- yeah. revenge which is, and violence. Which, once again, is one of the themes of the film it's, that yeah. they keep talking about. And where it's, yeah. You know, yeah. Pakiha will kill Maori, Maori will kill Pakiha, Maori will kill Maori. And then there are the elements of like those Maori who are staying in with the the British, like, um, uh, uh, I can't say his name now, uh, Wiremu. Um, uh, Wiremu. Wiremu, yeah. sorry. Who, um, who was such a fascinating character and like b- brilliantly performed. Mm. Just this, this figure who knows so much and is undervalued because of his heritage by the British soldiers around him. But he's... You, you speak French? <laughs> yeah. You've never been to France. Uh, I, speak I speak English. English. <laughs> I've never been to England. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's... But equally brilliant. reviled by his own people. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, because they're like, how can you eat the food of the colonisers when they're out there yeah. killing our people? And it's so interesting where you've got this character who, through his actions at the end of the film, we know he's not a fan of the people that he's working for. He, he shoots the colonel. He is the person that brings the colonel down. Mm-hmm. But he does it at what he feels is the right moment in the chaos of battle. Mm. Um, because he sees it needs to be done. He sees the colonel being just this awful, very film stereotype British colonial thing figure where he's like... You've you got to have one in every film. You yeah. have Ken Branner and Rabbit Proof Fence, you know, like... Yeah. Uh, got... <laughs> I was just like, yep, there yeah. it is. Yeah, and you, you know, he's, he's like uh, slapping the, the serving boy with his gloves and he's just generally being Playing chess and odious being a ponce, and... yeah. Yeah, a ponce. And but so it, it, it's interesting that, yeah, we remove. Um, was, that was Manning, too. And they, uh, yeah. He just came across as a caricature, didn't he, really? Honestly. Yeah. He did. Um, yeah, he he was pretty standout. I'd, I'd say maybe. <laughs> He's a one dimensional villain, he wasn't is. he? Yeah, I, I do feel as though the character of John Williamson was a little bit of a caricature as well. But he was. Yes. But he was. But that's, that's Bruno's well, performance, too. Bruno's yeah. going a little bit over the top. But also, like you, you saw why 
he became that with obviously oh, the yeah. murder of his wife. Here's my tragic backstory. Mm. Yeah, uh, but he was quite, you know, the, the, this was the done now. Man. That would be played by Hugo Weaving. But yeah. he became Colonial New Zealand's Mad Max, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> that gun. That gun is the is my favorite gun in a film. Like, and I don't have a list of favorite film guns, but I think like <laughs> I do the, the the the. the in T2, where Arnie's got the minigun and yes. he's shooting the helicopter, I've always thought yes. of that as a great film gun. Yep. But this, the the double double barrel shotgun. With a <laughs> piano pedal for the trigger for the if trigger. you want to do it at the same time. And they actually had a realistic kickback on it as well. Yeah. I was like, I'm impressed by that. Yeah, and they, they dedicated a scene to showing him having put this thing together, using it to demolish a shed, just to prove... He wants revenge, and he's got the biggest BFG in in this whole setting. He he has got the biggest gun, and it's going to cause problems. I'm pretty sure he shoots out the back of a horse in the in the initial attack when the um, mm. when the when the militia uh, used the British supply wagon. I'm pretty sure that, that that his shot hits the back of a horse the way it's depicted. But but even even then, you you couldn't you you could see the director Jeff Murphy could not help in a couple of scenes there. Paint him as New Zealand's answer to um, the man with no name. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when he turns up at the at the pub, <laughs> and he's he's standing in the door, and you were just waiting for the the um, yeah. <laughs> just shut up and go to sleep. Yeah, I also just love drink, and the bartender starts drinking. I just thought it was really funny. So yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. It's Bit kind of, a weird of one. it's kind of maddening because the more we talk about this, the more I go. Hey, I really enjoyed that that those bits. I really enjoyed, and you think about it. Well, actually, we're talking about almost the movie as a whole. Mm. So why am I feeling empty here? And mm. the reason is, it mm. feels like you know you've ordered a burger and someone's bought you a deconstructed burger, and you've got to put and it together. Gone, and you're oh, like, oh, it's, oh, it's it, couldn't I you have just made it, it complete? Yeah, some of the elements are in the right order, but like the bottom bit of the bun is like in between the lettuce and the cheese. Mm. Like it's like this. Like, it, why did you do that? Yeah, it's it, not going to make it structurally sound. Yeah, and it's. I, and I, I, I do once again want to suggest here that because we watched a substandard print, mm. um, that also hasn't helped. The fact that you haven't got the vibrancy of the colours and the detail is something yeah. that that's always going to hurt. But, but even with the fact that this wasn't the cleanest print, and mm. we we knew that going in, mm. it was still a, a, like a nice film to look at. Like you, you, you can still tell the way. Things are framed. That's the, that's the frustrating thing. Yeah. It looks like it's a beautifully photographed film. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and there's certain parts of it that were photographed really, really well or really interestingly. And I was like, oh crap! Or like some of the transitions between things that were like, oh, that's I like that. Like mm. visually, that's great. It doesn't. And really then there'd be other stuff where it was just like, oh, that was a bit shit. It does a really good job of showing character thought through yeah. shots. So when it felt like a first-person shooter at times. It did a little bit, like when he's sneaking up on the church. Yeah, and yeah. when she's sneaking up to steal the well, gun. And that's the thing, Emily Williamson's sequence of setting up the trap to try and take out the invader. Yeah, where she breaks the vase, and then we see her perspective and how she's using the hallway mirror to, and and her gap really through the smart. door. It's really clever, really and it's smart. like it's such a shame it didn't work out because it was a really clever plan. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you push somebody out of a second-story window, they don't tend to like that very much. That's so, true. You know. <laughs> But but yeah, they roll helplessly down a hill and break their back. Yeah, it was th- that roll did make me laugh. <laughs> I'll be honest. It, it just, and then it was like, oh no, she's dead. It didn't didn't quite look natural. It almost there was a at- few things in this film that we sort of laughed out loud at. And went, oh no, actually that's yeah. that's bad. 
Yeah, the rolling was a little bit uh, as you A little wish. bit Princess Bride, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do think the edit is, is ultimately the thing that is bringing this down, but that does make me curious to see the... the the, um, Are we going to have yeah. to redo it? <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to. We're going to have to redo with the Redux. Well, yeah, I, I almost think it might be a case of that might be some. I'm some kicking hum- myself, I didn't buy that. Yeah, it's it's. I okay. picked it up, looked at it. <laughs> well, now you know. As we sit here in this room of, I presume, ten thousand DVDs, Murray, you just know always buy the DVD. That's that's always the buy the best version. Yes. of the film. Yeah. Um, but I mean that said, this might be a thing where if you do go out and buy the best version, we may quiz you on on Udu mm. uh, Udu Redux um, in the future. Look, what I, what I can say about this film is it was it's a very ambitious film in mm. terms of the. I think it was the most expensive film that had been made in New Zealand to that point. It's a lot of power. Uh, so there is it? there is a it's a big cast. Mm. Big cast of people, a lot of extras, there's a lot of fireworks happening, there's mm. a lot of stuff happening. Um and it's all there on screen, you know. That you can see set. every dollar that, that was spent up there on screen. Mm. Uh you've some of the performances I didn't think were great, but they're all acceptable. There's nothing there that really stands out to say, well, that was horrible. Mm. Um, and, yeah, there's a good story. There's a really good story here and some really good elements in the filmmaking. Why am I sitting here yeah. thinking, damn, what could have been? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's also interesting, and I think a part of this might be it, its place in New Zealand film history because, as you say, this was to the time one of the most ambitious films ever shot in New Zealand it had a large second unit and most professional films in New Zealand at that time just didn't have a second unit or Mm, if they did mm. it was very small Um, and this film I think maybe suffers a little bit from the fact that there is some areas of inexperience from somewhere in the production and so certainly i think the thing we 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 are having the big issue with with this film is is the edit and the fact that mm. it's not quite smooth but i do think there are you know other elements of a, of a choices here and there that you look at where you're like well that maybe wasn't the best way to to light that particular scene uh, i will say some of the 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 lighting for the nighttime sequences was really good i never felt lost in terms of what mm. was happening in nighttime sequences and that's compared to some of the contemporary stuff you see it, now on yeah. like Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and I I thought look at really you, Game of Thrones final season. Yes, that's well, exactly what came to mind. As I, was I was thinking it. Willow as well. Mm. There were certain we just watched the Willow TV series recently, mm. and some of that is very dark. Mm. And it's just like, but the, I mean, this is a director eyes. who went on to do. I mean, he was the second unit director on Lord of the Rings, so you know mm. the guy's got chops. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and yeah, you can certainly. I mean, I know it's shot in New Zealand, as was Lord of the Rings, so there's always going to be comparisons that come up just from the terrain that we see on show but there were certain areas of it where it's like you can see that shared history or that shared uh, sort of Space. filmmaking joinery um, well, i looked up Tapuna because i was interested to see where it was mm. and it's um sort of just east and a little bit north of matamata right okay. so we probably drove through it or past it yeah in so in, in the north trails yes when we were there uh, um let, let's touch on anzac wallace uh, maybe the best name for an actor from mm. this part of the world. Um, I really, really liked his performance. Yeah, I, I think it's considering he's this is his first film 
Um, he he had done some television work before this, but but nothing in in cinema. Mm. Um, he is very charismatic for someone that I don't know that we, we we're definitely not meant to fully sympathise with him because I don't think we're meant to sympathise with anybody in this film. Yeah, They're all bastards. We understand where he <laughs> you comes understand, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like we see him decapitate a priest in the church. Um, I love. It was I a love, great sequence. Something, something we've all fantasized about doing at some. That's stage, true, but Steve. there's a difference between fantasizing and actually going through. Actually with going it. in. in um, yeah. But, but yeah, like that sequence where he he addresses the congregation of, and, and they're just sitting there, yeah. just chilling. Like they don't and, look. Admittedly, these are scared or freaked out at all. They're just yeah. like, okay, I guess he just beheaded that guy. I think the gonna... film did a really good job of establishing that the priest wasn't a great guy. Oh yeah. Uh, so that then when they behead him and have a very authentic looking replica head on, um, I want to say the podium. Pulpit. Pulpit, thank you. On mm. the pulpit with um, his executioner stood there delivering his version of the sermon they've just heard, which was really cool from like a revenge film uh, sort of scripting thing. Very it, Titus Andronicus, it was isn't great. it? But I did also like the, yeah, that the congregation were all there just going, Oh no, that's a good point. Yeah, no, this is—I mean—is this what they do in church? This is kind of entertaining, you know. This whole thing—it was fascinating. I think, yeah. Once again, I think Jeff Murphy probably grew up watching um, a number of spaghetti westerns, Sergio Leone. I mean, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff in here, and that scene included, which you could almost say, oh, it's kind of like a tribute to that. Mm. Whether it be Sergio Leone or, or Peck and Powers Wild Bunch, but it, it, I can see why he went on to work with Peter Jackson, who is, also loves explosions mm-hmm. and decapitation. The film is—it's a New Zealand western, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. It really is. Yeah, and and Anzac Wallace is is a really fascinating white hat and black hat cowboy. Mm. Um, you know, we see him going, "I'm here to try and you know get rid of these colonizers," and we're like, "Well, that's good," and I'm going to do it by uh, killing indiscriminately basically everyone that i find not so good like it, it's it's really interesting seeing how it goes but it it builds so wonderfully to the final scene of this film which i think is maybe one of the most touching execution scenes that i've seen mm. in in terms of um he's there he's been tried by the mil- by the military tribunal he is going to be shot by firing squad and then you have a whole load of people going. I'm putting their case I kill him first. Yeah. I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. And I'm Spartacus, and so is my wife. Yeah. yeah. So they have. They have. Um, I, I can't remember if she had a name, but the one who Lieutenant Scott referred to as old woman. Yeah. So that's um, that's the oh gosh, what was her name? The the young um, Wahini, um, mm. the one who seduced and actually ultimately Scott. saved Scott. Mm. Um, my take on that was that was her mother. Yeah. I think she, yeah, she, they were definitely related in but some yeah, capacity because she said that in her yeah. speech. She said, you know, you beat my cousin. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was a connection there. But she she says, you know, he, he has killed um, mm. one of my kin. I should be the one that kills him. Mm. And then the, the John Williamson with his, with his double, double, Barrel shotgun says, "No, he killed my wife. I should be the one that kills him." And then Captain Scott's like, "I, I should kill him because I'm totally unbiased." I have been shot twice. Yeah, he goes, "I have no skin in the game." It's not exactly what he says, but he's like, "And I'm totally unbiased, and it's fine." Yeah. And, and then, like, mm. and then Wiramu goes, "No, you're all, you're all the wrong people. You're all compromised. Yeah, you're all compromised. You're all seeking Utu. Yeah, and he mm. goes, "I should do it because 
I am not seeking revenge. But and, I know yeah, that and to prove that point, mm. I will now tell you my real name. Yeah, and that he's my brother, um, which was a, a nice little a nice little twist. Mm. And then they, I, I love the fact that there was there was no. Um, hatred from Tifeke about this like he, he he it made sense to him that it was Wiramu that would be the one to execute him and they share that song and the um the hongi the hongi and and then he he does it and he executes him and the way that that's depicted i thought despite the fact that this is obviously not the the highest quality uh version of the film available i think you could still tell it was it was wonderfully shot and like the fact that the the killing shot, as it were, mm. was taken from very high, and we saw how still the camp was and how still everyone was, mm. and we see the shot being taken, and it's it's just a really really well constructed scene. I was yeah. really impressed. But, but by once it. again, that that theme of revenge coming through, because you've got the three would be executioners each giving their case, mm. Mm. which is essentially, I want to avenge. You know, mm. on you for mm. this particular act you've yeah. you've done on me. So I thought that was quite neat too. Mm. That the, the the theme is always recurrent in this from several characters' points of view. And it's mm. not really it doesn't really come across as a didactic thing. They're just kind of like, look, this is mm. how it is. Mm. We're just going around in circles chasing each other's tails, and violence is only going to beget more violence. And we know this, but there's no other real path forward. So mm. that's where we're at. And I do think it's quite important that Wiramu killed both the Colonel and um, yeah. Tifeke, which is, th- th- there's something just, just with him, it's almost it's standing as, out. Yeah. Well, almost that's the standing thing. He's straddling those two mm, worlds. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's right to call him the moral center of the film because he is, both groups view him as a traitor it all and that's or a exactly it it's it's, it's the fact that like he's again damned if you do damned if you don't mm. like he's he's screwed either way yeah but yeah yeah um it's yeah it's look it, it's, it's a really compelling it, it piece compelling. of cinema and, and i would, just wish it was edited better well that's just it i'm now really curious to to maybe have a look at the the redux version and may- maybe in the future we can we can get together and watch it and do a, do a little bonus. Mm. Who knows? We, we might still be disappointed. It's but I, I think I think that this is one of those maddening films where you've got a director who's got a script and he's probably looking at it going, "This is amazing. This is going to be a fantastic film. This is going to you know really put us on the on the on the mark and on the world stage." Mm. And somewhere in the filmmaking process or, or perhaps post-production or even in the, the, the sale of the film and the marketing to international territories, mm. something's gone wrong. Yeah. Mm. And it's a crying bloody shame. Yeah. Um, I hope, yeah, that the Redux version addresses those issues. Mm. I can only think it must. Otherwise, why would you go back and tinker with a film mm. that had laid in virtual obscurity for 30 years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, 
Would you guys like some trivia about Utu? Yeah. Sure. This is trivia about the film, not about the concept of revenge, <laughs> just to throw it out there. Um, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, the first bit of trivia is to do with production. Um, when they... Obviously, at the start of the film, after um, uh, Tefeke has declared his revenge and mm. uh, goes and gets the, the moko, uh, the face tattoo, applied. Um, in order for it to look realistic, uh, Anzac Wallace would spend four hours having the moko applied each day mm. for shooting. So, and it, it looked great throughout. I, I, mm. was one, I was watching it and going, I'm wondering what sort of makeup effect they'd used uh, because it stayed very consistent and looked very natural. Mm. Um, in in all the shots in this film, like 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 to the point where I thought, has he actually gone and got a face mm. tattoo for this film? Um, yeah, it was it was four hours every day to get that put on. Jesus, I can believe it. Mm. Looks but, good though, but well worth it, I think, because it it looked great. Mm. Um, and that sequence where he's getting it applied as well is is really interesting. It almost feels like the. I suppose the modern day analogy would be like the the superhero suiting up. You know, it's, mm. it's Batman putting on the cowl for the first time, or Iron Man putting the suit together, that yeah. kind of thing. But and but, interest, and interesting the way that they shot it as well, because mm. they were sort of shooting it from that outsider's perspective, and then it was from his perspective of what it was like looking mm. up at the guy who was tattooing him. So. Mm. Um, Anzac Wallace, who uh, obviously played the role of the uh, Mary Militant. Um, had previously been a trade union leader. Um, yeah. yeah. He, he had also uh, spent some time in prison. Prison, yeah. yes. And while he was in prison in the 1970s, that's where he learned to read. Oh, oh there we go. Yeah. So, and if Macbeth was a favourite. I'm, I'm hoping so. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good story regardless. But yeah, he, he was someone who went through the prison system and learnt while he was there and mm. built this this performance career out of it so you know good on him um <clears throat> re-released in 2013 as utu redux um after cinematographer graham cowley saw a copy of the film on television and was dismayed uh, at how much the film had deteriorated um when he discovered there was no existing prints of the film in good condition he worked with the original director jeff murphy and editor michael horton to recreate the film from original disparate negatives. Uh, they then fine-tuned the cut in the process, uh, but attempted to recreate the film in its original glory. The refurbished version premiered at the New Zealand International Film Fe- Festival in Wellington's es- uh, Embassy Theatre on the 26th of July, 2013. Hmm. So, yes, the redux was started because the cinematographer went, oh, it looks rubbish on TV. Yeah. So he probably saw this version. Probably saw that version, yeah, and absolutely. Got, yeah, such a bee in his bonnet about it that he went and got the original negatives and, and made... I mean, I guess if that version. was kind of like your big thing that you'd done and you were, had, were thinking back and like, yeah, no, like... Mm. And then saw it and went, oh, no, that looks dreadful. I mean, you mm. would want to go back and do something about it, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's actually a crying shame that um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of interest in restoring some classic... Uh, New Zealand films. Mm. Um, w- w- Jeff Murphy's earlier film, Goodbye Pork Pie, which was just a smash hit at the time. In fact, Prince Charles once said it was his favourite film. Oh. Um, I'm not sure if that's a, a glowing review or not. Mm. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, once again, to my knowledge, you can only get that on DVD, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's only in in four by three. Um, two other films off the top of my head: Sleeping Dogs and Smash Palace. Uh, Sleeping Dogs being Sam Neill's first mm. film. Um, Smash Palace starring Bruno Lawrence, who of course we've just seen in Utu. Um, the best versions of those are actually released by a British film, uh, by a British company, uh, which has gone to the trouble of restoring the films. Mm. Um, so there's this, yeah, mm. real lack of ownership, I think, on the part of the Kiwis to actually tidy up and release in a really good format mm. their classic early films. And, like, this this is a good film. Mm. We, I know we have problems with the edit um, mm. and, and some of the maybe storytelling decisions, but... But it's it's a worthwhile there's some, watch. There's some really strong nuggets in there. Yeah, and like it's, I mean, this film is forty plus years old. A lot of the performers we're seeing are, are no longer with us. They've passed on. Mm. But there, there isn't a bad performance in there. I know the Colonel might be a bit um, stereotypical, but it's a good British uncaring villain mm. officer um, performance, even if it does feel a bit stereotyped. Um, and Honestly, yeah. I've seen worse films from this era. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of films I've watched in this era. I'm like, mm, no. Oh, you've seen bad films from New Zealand, have you? Hmm. <laughs> oh, is sure. that right? Is that right, tiny Australian? Well, no, let's no, sit no, down no. And I watch, meant, I meant, let's I, watch <laughs> Turkey Shoot, shall we? I, I, I meant, I meant films in general from this era, not just New Zealand oh, films New, specifically. I'm talking, era, I'm talking, I'm talking general early eighties films. I do yeah. apologise. Oh no, no, no. Yes, no. There's probably there's probably a few bad films from 1983, um, but this I don't think is one of them. I, I think I think it is. Blame it on Rio is. Yes. Uh, so all that remains is for us to score the film. Was that all of the trivia that there was? Uh, there wasn't a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was, there was cool. There's only a couple of bits. Um, so yes, uh, look, we'll take what we can. And if the people who are in charge of preserving trivia in New Zealand uh, want to preserve more of the film trivia, mm. uh, that would also be appreciated. Uh, but yeah, it is time for us to score the film. So, Dr. Alan, oh, it was your first boy. time watching Utu. Mm-hmm. What would you give it out of 10? Oh, God. Oh, I'm going to give it six big f-ing guns out of 10. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there's a lot that could potentially be improved on with, with specifically with editing, but like there mm. was enough there that I was like, yeah, no, okay. I, yeah. was, I, was enjoy- I wasn't sitting there going like, oh, Jesus Christ, mm. this is awful or anything like that. I think it's genuinely got some quite good bits in it. Yeah. Um, uh- yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see sort of a, a, a recut of it yeah you, you would watch this film again yeah with, i would with a bit of uh, polish yeah i would i would yeah if, if you get the redux well let me know because i'll come over and i'll, I'll watch it again <laughs> and right. see what the difference is because yeah it's interesting excellent okay what about yourself murray um yeah i'm, I'm sort of floating between a five and a six here it's hard to but the more yeah. the more i think about what we watched and the more i think about the story elements and the more I think about the good stuff we've just discussed, I'm leaning towards um, six bullet holes in Lieutenant Scott's shoulder. He had about that many by the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, I I really enjoyed this. It's it, and like I I actually feel as though. The, the score is because um, I'm in the similar ballpark score wise as well. I feel like the score might put some people off, and I don't know that it should mm. because I think 
for me, for me it's it's six and a half fart offs out of ten um mm-hmm. which good. which is such a great um dismissal of somebody oh fart off fart off <laughs> yes it was wonderful but but <laughs> I, I feel as though even though i go yeah i'd give it six and a half out of ten like three out of five stars about there i think it's a three out of five stars that you should go and watch though uh, and particularly I, I would say maybe the redux is the way to do it having Definitely. not seen the redux yeah. mm. i'd say look just from the perspective of having a cleaned up print Mm. Yeah. where you can just make out that little bit more detail. Mm. Sometimes it can bring out certain um, little qualities in, in, in a performance that's mm. not apparent on a print like the one we've just watched. Yeah. So mm. there could be stuff in there that really brings it to the fore. And even just a, a slight tidy up narratively or maybe chopping just a couple of bits out. So it runs 120 minutes, this. Mm. Yeah, if you, you, you could... Perhaps tighten it up a little bit in those second and third acts mm. without killing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I think if, if we, we do end up getting a copy of the Redux, maybe in a few months' time, where we can do a little bonus episode where we go, oh, yeah, the Redux. Oh, yeah, the Redux. That was great. Or actually, no, it did, didn't help. So, yeah, uh, yeah we, I'm, we'll do that at some point in the future. But uh, Murray and Ellen, thank you so much for joining me on this special New Zealand film episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thanks for having me. Hmm, my. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. We have got one more film in our Australian Film Month, plus a bonus New Zealand film, uh, and it is the one that is chosen by you, the audience. And yep. I'm very excited <laughs> to be able to confirm that after six years of being nominated and not picked, you have finally chosen to watch 1993's Hercules Returns. Hey. So, uh, yes, that will be coming up on the next episode of the podcast. We so. have a few very excited guests. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Who've been waiting Labia. for it. Labia. Who've been waiting for it. So, uh, if you are one of those people dancing in the street that Hercules Returns is finally going to be reviewed on this program, uh, why not subscribe so that you can get that episode landing in your podcast inbox as soon as it's released. Uh, just search for us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, any of those surf- uh, surfaces, that's not the word, any of those services, um, and we will uh, give that episode to you as soon as it's ready. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. You can search for us over on Facebook by typing in the Cinema Catch-Up Club and follow us for news and updates. And finally, there is our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash podcast for extra bonus goodies and features. Um, we may possibly do the Redux episode as a Patreon exclusive. Ooh. Maybe. Ooh. If you really want to hear us talk about yeah. Uni Redux, Ooh. you'll have to give us a very small amount of money. <laughs> uh, for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you uh, you can get all of those bonus goodies and features. Uh, but that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Farewell. Cheers, bro. Choice. Choice film. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.